Welcome to Wilderness Outreach Mancast. My name is John. I'm here tonight with my brothers in Christ. Mancast is your weekly adventure into the wilds of masculine spirituality, where we will be hunting for the meaning of manhood, tracking down the intersection of faith and science, uncovering true leadership, and searching for the deep meaning of the history of God's created universe. So strap on your hiking boots, get your backpack, grab your compass, and map, and let's get rolling. All right, well, let's start off with evening prayer. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I cried to you, Lord, and you healed me. I will praise you forever. I will praise you, Lord. You have rescued me and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, I cry to you for help, and you, my God, have healed me. O Lord, you have raised my soul from the dead, restored me to life from those who sink into the grave. Sing psalms to the Lord, you who love him. Give thanks to his holy name. His anger lasts a moment, his favor through life. At night there are tears, but joy comes with dawn. I said to myself in my good fortune, nothing will ever disturb me. Your favor had set me on a mountain fastness. Then you hid your face, and I was put to confusion. To you, Lord, I cried. To my God, I made appeal. What profit would my death be, my going to the grave? Can dust give you praise or proclaim your truth? The Lord listened and had pity. The Lord came to my help. For me, you have changed my mourning into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. So my soul sings psalms to you unceasingly. O Lord, my God, I will thank you forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I cried to you, Lord, and you healed me. I will praise you forever. The one who is sinless in the eyes of God is blessed indeed. Happy the man whose offense is forgiven, whose sin is remitted. O happy the man to whom the Lord imputes no guilt, in whose spirit is no guile. I kept it secret, and my frame was wasted. I groaned all the day long, for night and day your hand was heavy upon me. Indeed, my strength was dried up as by the summer's heat. But now I have acknowledged my sins. My guilt I did not hide. I said, I will confess my offense to the Lord, and you, Lord, have forgiven the guilt of my sin. So let every good man pray to you in the time of need. The floods of water may reach high, but him they shall not reach. You are my hiding place, O Lord. You save me from distress. You surround me with cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will give you counsel with my eye upon you. Be not like the horse and mule, unintelligent, needing bridle and bit, else they will not approach you. Many, Many sorrows. <laughs> Go ahead, Bob. <laughs> Many sorrows has the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, loving mercy surrounds him. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord, exalt you just. 
Oh, come ring out your joy, all you upright of heart. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The one who is sinless in the eyes of God is blessed indeed. The Father has given Christ all power, honor, and kingship. All people will obey him. We praise you, the Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. You have assumed your great power. You have begun your reign. The nations have raged in anger, but then came your day of wrath and the moment to judge the dead, the time to reward your servants, the prophets, and the holy ones you rever who revere you, the great and small alike. Now have salvation and power come the reign of our God and the authority of his anointed one. For the accuser of our brothers is cast out, who night and day accused them before God. They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. So rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell therein. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Father has given Christ all power, honor, and kingship. All people will obey him. There is cause for rejoicing here. You may for a time have to suffer the distress of many trials, but this is so that your faith, which is more precious than the passing splendor of fire, tried gold, may be its gen geniusness lead to praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ appears. Although you have never seen him, you love him, and without seeing, you now believe in him and rejoice with an inexpressible joy, touched with glory, because you are achieving faith's goal, your salvation. The Lord has given us food, bread of the finest wheat. The Lord has given us food, bread of the finest wheat. Honey from the rock to our heart's content. And bread of the finest wheat. Glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. The Lord has given us food, bread of the finest wheat. God has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this they all, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has lifted up the lowly. Our hope is in God, who gives us help. Let us call upon him and say... Look kindly on your children, Lord. Lord our God, you made an eternal covenant with your people. Keep us ever mindful of your mighty deeds. 
Let your ordained ministers grow toward perfect love. And preserve your faithful people in unity by the bond of peace. Be with us in our work of building the earthly city. That in building we may not labor in vain. Send workers into your vineyard. And glorify your name among the nations. Welcome into the company of your saints, our relatives and benefactors who have died. May we share their happiness one day. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us yep. this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Father, you illumine the night and bring the dawn to scatter darkness. Let us pass this night in safety, free from Satan's power, and rise when morning comes to give you thanks and praise. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. May the Lord bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Good evening, brothers. Good to Good see evening, you, brothers. In here, yes. That's uh. So tonight we're going to continue on the journey towards the understanding of masculine spirituality, and uh, so tonight uh, our segment's called "The Qualities of Manhood and Masculine Spirituality." So uh, I'm going to bring up on the screen for those of you who can see it, and those of you who can't, they're listening later. It won't make any difference anyway, right? So, uh, so. Uh, we're going to um, begin by kind of restating this whole concept of the telos, the principle of the telos of creation or, uh, you know, the making of anything, the way that a cre creature or created item is made, the method in which it's made, and then the substance from which it's made has a lot to do with the potential that the substance has. That's just a general creative, kind of a scientific uh, definition, I guess you would say, right? Like, so if you look at the difference between cast iron and structural steel that we've talked about before, you can look right back at the, the content, the iron content and the carbon content and then the processes through which those two substances were made and see why they're so different, even though they're almost like the same thing, right? They're, they're steel or cast iron and they're iron. But, uh, so, so we've, we've talked through that whole process, uh, about, you know, we looked at the scientific differences between male and female and showed how the, the male telos is so differently, is so different from a physical and, and uh, you might even say intellectual way because, uh, you know, the, our, the, the ladies who are part of our creation have such great uh, geniuses that we don't have, right? And, and there's a complementary nature there between male and female where there's a, there's a female genius and a masculine spirituality that really fits together and, and works well together. And we see that on the scientific level. So, uh, and then, and then we, we talked about, um, the, the, uh, uh, the scriptural foundations of, uh, 
the feminine genius and masculine spirituality and how we could see that come out of the Genesis stories. So what we're going to talk about tonight is kind of a summary of that. And you might say, uh, what, so how do we can sort of put that in a nice little package if we were going to say, so what is a man, right? That's, that's kind of in what have we learned? So we're going to, we're going to propose that there's, there's a few different things that we can draw about manhood and talk about that. So, uh, so tonight, uh, there's um, one of the first qualities of manhood, and I'll briefly say that the qualities of manhood include being a son, or we might say sonship, being an explorer, being a creator, being a provider, and a defender, a leader, a father, and a brother. So those are the, the kind of the qualities that... Uh, when we look at, 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 the, at the, the man creature, the male creature, that, that uh, these qualities that men have, these primordial qualities that we have due to the way we've been created and how we're made. So, uh, so we're going to just kind of uh, walk around the, uh, with this a little bit, talk about it. So I'm, I'll start out, and the first quality, the first masculine quality is what we'll call the sun or sonship. And the sun who was created from the primordial dirt and water. And if you think about Genesis two, again, where God creates, creates this male creature out of the dirt and water of the original cosmos. And he breathes the breath of life. You might even think about that being like the Y chromosome was breathed into the the dirt and water, and it was made man, right? So that breath of life was breathed into the man. And so he awakens in the original solitude. The son of the father has been made in the image and likeness of God the father and the son through whom he was made. So as we know, Paul talks about this really well, that, that all of creation was created through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's really kind of an interesting concept, you know, one that you could really dig into. Okay, it's like, Christ is almost like the mold through which, or not the mold, but the, the dye through which everything was, was created. And uh, it's a really interesting concept. So, and then the first man, the first made man is both creature and son. So he's a created human being and imprinted on him are the qualities of his creator in the creation process, making sonship a primary quality of manhood. The son is then mentored and formed in the original workshop, imprinting upon him the other fundamental qualities of manhood. What do you think, Bob and Peter? Any thoughts? Yeah, as you were talking earlier, um, I was kind of thinking about how God didn't, we, we are all created in his image and likeness and how we didn't get the same image and likeness that women did. Right. You know, so like they got a different piece of the pie, so to speak, like they got a completely different, like uh way of seeing things. And just, I just think it's interesting how all of us were created in the image and likeness of God. But as men, we are, this portion of God and like trying to figure out what that is, you know, 
then how you said that uh, where the or Jesus was kind of like the blueprint or like the uh, the die is what you said, um, and like that's it, we could kind of almost look at Mother Mary as the the opposite of that for women, right? Yeah, I mean, kind of the the stuff of the universe, right? I mean, it's like the the Mary is in women in a sense are like the garden, you might even say, right? The 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 uh, yeah, pretty pretty profound stuff. Yeah, I think with the thinking of of sun and, and just especially in this in this age now where we feel the disconnection from our communities, from our our families of just remembering as we start we're talking about these qualities of manhood that we all you know that we are we're sons we we have a biological father we also have a, a heavenly father and having that connection that that there's you know before you can become a, a father like that son is that first identity and i know we talk we've touched before on on the show on john eldridge and that's sort of the way of the wild at heart and you have to start with sonship and that beloved son before you in that mentoring before you can continue on the journey mm. you know uh, uh, what's what's uh, here's a profound thing that's happened with the sun being the number one uh quality and this is kind of this has happened throughout my life and i think as as men this happens throughout our life so on the wilderness outreach website the original qualities of manhood that show up there did not include this category of son. And about six months ago or more, a, a very nice lady wrote me an email and said, pointed that out that actually this, this quality of sonship is very important. You should consider putting that as part of your, uh, description of manhood. And I think Pete might remember I came to him and said, Hey, I just got an email from a, from a lady who suggested that. Do you remember that Peter? Yeah, I do. I think we were hiking when you told me and about that. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. So once again, here's this complimentary, you know, here's the, the, uh, the woman in a sense, our, our complimentary partner in this image of God that's a great mystery to us, who's pointing out, connecting the um, intuitive to the analytical, right? And pointing something out. So that was, it was perfect. So anyway, here it is. And uh, can't remember your name. If you're out there listening to this right now, thank you. And uh, so, and then as I thought about it and I integrated son into this and it's great, Bob, you bring up, well, that's like the number one quality. Yeah. So that, that's really that's it is because the you know uh, the the man the the man child in a sense is created by God the Father in the original solitude, and and experiences this. so that sonship that that being the 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 first son of the Father, or the Holy Trinity we could say is like that's number the quality number one. So that's that's really great that you brought that up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what's the second one? I think it skipped one here. There you go. Yep. Yeah, explore. So the second quality, right? Um, 
History is the story of men striving to understand the nature of God's created universe. Isn't that the truth? Um, from the exploration of seas, continents, and mountains to the sub subatomic realm of quarks. I don't even know what that is. And the vast expanse of space, men have been diving, driving, the driving force of discovery. The first person that comes to my mind is Christopher Columbus in this. I mean, just wired to look for stuff and to go, just go. Yeah, I was even reading, uh, there was something that I was looking up the other day about the original diocese in North America. I was actually, and I didn't find what I was looking for because I ran out of time. But what I did find is there was a claim there that the actual, the first diocese in North America was in Greenland and it was brought there by the Vikings who had been converted to Catholicism. Now, I don't know how true that is, but it is interesting that the, you know, this idea that how these men were driven to these, I mean, this is amazing to think about like getting on a boat and saying, let's just go out there and see what's out there. You know, that's, that's like, yeah. Yeah. When the earth could have been flat, you know, and they yeah. didn't know. you don't know how long it's going to take or if you're going to come back, but there's this, yeah, this drive to, to map out what, what is this creative universe where, we're trying to find another way to get somewhere. So what if we try this instead? Let's go this way. Um, you know, we need to know more. Um, it actually reminds me, John, I don't know if you remember this. This was in Tar Hollow for a weekend. And I believe Steve Ford was with us. And he, we were talking about this Explorer thing. And, and I was saying like, hey, you know, everything's already sort of been explored. Like, where does this fit in? And Steve had a good, a good brotherly thing of saying, well, you know, Bob, He's like, the way I look at it is like, well, I haven't seen that. Maybe, maybe this has been mapped out, but I haven't mapped it out. There's still things for me to explore. So we have that sort of global exploration mm -hmm. of men that are sort of pushing the frontiers, but we also can do that um, individually, even if it's like, okay, maybe I'm not going to discover a new continent, but like, Hey, there's a new state park to look at. There's a new trail. There's a new town to visit. There's a new church to see. There's, there's a new book. There's a new author to find. There's, there's this drive to find more. Yeah. And then, and it's uh, kind of going back our last week, we talked about the working genius. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of that, like, let's say wonder and discernment, you know, the, in that, that kind of that, that, that kind of idea of what's going on here. Right. And I think all three of us are like high in wonder or, or at least have the, that as a working competency. And, but that, that kind of drive of men to what's out there, what's on the other side. And it's just like, um, there's a, there was a, a, a man who was a dentist. He was in world war two, uh, father Tom. And I can't remember his, not father Tom, but Dr. Tom, who was a dentist and he's deceased now. And I remember, so he was a World War II dentist, and, and he called me one day about 10 years ago before he died, and he said, I've got all this backpacking and mountaineering equipment. Would you come out and get it? I want to give it to you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, I didn't know anything about him, right? So I went out and visited him, and he told me the story about how he, he and his family, when he was a kid, like in the early 19, 
like say by by sometime by 1930, the late 1920s, maybe around 1930, his family took a cross country jaunt, and they ended up going through uh, Teton National Park, and he saw the Tetons, and in his small boy brain and his small boy heart, he looked at those Tetons and said, I'm going to climb those someday. And he did, he became a mountaineer and he, even though he was a dentist, he spent a lot of his summers, like going out West and climbing mountains. It was just this drive to explore in him, which is, and so he, I've got his original crampons, believe it or not. I've got his, all his original gear. I still got his boots and his, his original backpack. He's got it's 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 amazing the stuff that he gave me. It's it's kind of like sacred ground, right? So, and he was a good Catholic man, so he knew about us through going to the church and everything. So, uh, yeah. So, well, and then this explorer goes on, you know, not only the physical level but the intellectual level, right? I mean, if we just look about, you know, the whole drive and, and even like in scientific terms, right? Like Albert Einstein trying to figure out how does the universe work? Uh, you know, the, the whole drive to understand the genome, you know, how, what's, what, how, how is every, how is every, how are we put together and how can we change things? That whole drive for exploration is, is really at the heart of the masculine heart, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I know you said something about working genius earlier about how we all are kind of high in that wander. And I think that, I think that this is just wired into us though, intrinsically, just like as men, I mean, some, like you were saying, are definitely more intellectual and want to know how things work in that sense, like electricity and, and all that. But like, I guess that's physical too. I mean, I know it is, but, um, like going out and exploring and going into the unknown, you know, I think that there's just different senses that this is all wired into us for sure. Mm. Or we've talked about men not asking for directions. It's just sort of like, I've got a path and I'll figure out how to get there. We're just, I got <laughs> I a sense, it. you know, we'll go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might not great. work. Yeah. Actually be fun to get lost. Right. <laughs> Right. And there's something yeah, I was actually that yeah, I think it was a while ago, an article on the Art of Manliness blog, something about how that is beneficial or just, you know, kind of not to get super far lost, but just to kind of like get that intellectual challenge of having to sort of figure your way back and use the clues and be that explorer. So the next one we're going to let Bob run with. So we've come from sun to explorer. And then Bob? Sure. The creator. The inner drive of manhood is not satisfied with the discoveries of exploration. Deep within each man is the desire to create something good and meaningful for the project of human flourishing. Look around you. All that you see exists due to the creative force of manhood. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ask yourself the question, what needs to be created for true human flourishing? I think here, yeah, this 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 creation and and sort of saying, okay, what's out there, and then what am I what am I going to do with it? What if I if I'm on this journey of manhood, I'm trying and I'm seeking to become an adult. Like, what am I putting into the pot? What I'm not just taking out. So, like, what am I doing that's going to benefit mm -hmm. other people? The sense of legacy mm -hmm. of like, what can I do that's going to mm -hmm. help others? Um, you know, I think we touched a little bit on working genius. This kind of I think probably looks different 
for each person just but what's wired in is saying like hey i want to leave that desire to leave a mark i think because um, not everybody's sort of that inventive side of it but uh, you know i think takes different forms but saying hey i'm going to leave a mark hey i'm going to build this trail you know or i'm going to do you know i'm going to do this thing or i'm going to start this group here or just just something with that i don't know what do you guys think about that hmm. Yeah. And, and it's like that creative drive in there is like, uh, so, so yeah, the kind of thinking about the, you go from, from sun to explore. So this, this imprinted on us, we got to get out and figure out what's going on out here and, and, uh, how stuff put together and how, and then, and then, then, okay. Then we get to that point where it's like, yeah, we're discovering how this works and what, you know, what's over the next mountain. And all of a sudden I think there's this natural, the next natural drive is, well, let's do something with it, right? Let's, let's do something really cool with it. Like that waterfall that's coming down over that, that cliff right there. It's dropping like 20 feet. You know, I bet we could come up with some kind of mechanism that we could turn something with that water. Right. And then we could put some big stones together and make it like a place that we could crush grain in. Or turn a saw blade, right? The next thing you know, men have created this water wheel and we're, we're dropping trees and sawing trees up with a big iron blade that we've discovered how to, to make, right? So we can slice big logs into lumber that we can build into houses. And now we're all sitting here on the internet talking about it. <laughs> we want to get back there, don't we? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is funny though. Um, Eli, my son, went in the backyard today because I mean it was beautiful today, other than the crazy winds. But uh, he went back there and immediately started digging and just throwing dirt everywhere. And he was making something. I don't know what he was making, but he he kept calling me out there to come look at and see what he was doing. And uh, but it's funny because like he was going through those steps. You know what I mean? Like son, explorer, creating. Like what's next, you know, mm. it's funny to observe mm. in, in a child and try to hold on to that too. Mm. So the next, the fourth one is a category that we call the provider. So we've gone from sun to explorer to creator to provider so it may be said that the authentic man of virtue possesses the talents of explorer and creator so that he can fulfill his deep desire to pro provide for the other. And I think, Bob, you touched on that, whether it be for his family or the greater family of man. But what should be provided? That's a good question. Do all creations that that of men benefit the human family? That's a, a really good question. Are there creations of manhood that create confusion and run against human flourishing? Well, I think one of the things that's kind of easy that many people can relate to from just looking at the stories of what a successful, a guy that's made it successfully and then he's rich and then, He's providing for his kids, but he provides so much that, you know, he had to go through adversity to 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 build up and to get where he was. But in this in the abundance, then he his kids, he provides too much 
and then they can't actually get get through these stages and struggle and reach a greatness because they've been coddled and just sort of given everything. So there's this tension of there's a need to provide and then you have some that are too cheap and there's too stingy, but then you have some that are just too much and finding that middle balance of like, yes, I do need to provide for those around me so that they can flourish, but trying to have that sort of just right portion that they know that they're loved and their needs are taken care of. But I also need you to grow a little bit too. Like I I'm not going to, at when you're 15 going to give you the same thing as when you're four or five, like you need to grow and I need to help you as a dad for my children or, you know, thinking about fathers to sons, like, I know you need to do more or even a boss to a coat to his under him, like, or, or it's like, Hey, you have to, you want them to grow. So you have to make harder challenges. You don't want them to just sort of stay stagnant. Yeah, if things are too easy, we never develop, right? We never become who we're supposed to be. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this. so there's a lot to this thinking about providing, isn't it? Because, I mean, that's something we hear a lot. Well, men are providers and protectors, but without digging into this. So this, this is, we're really digging into this right now, some of these questions, like what should be provided? So we're in a day and age where, I have friends who have sons and daughters that are 12 years old and they have their own iPhones. Yeah, it's rough. I, uh, I'm kind of struggling with that right now with my kids. Cause I mean, like I don't have, they don't have screens here, right? They don't own any screens, but at their ma's house they have, you know what I mean? They have an Xbox in their room. They both have tablets. You got a TV in there, you know, they have free reign. Sit there and watch. I mean, they're five and seven, so it's going to be a battle, I'm sure. But I think that one of the things I'm providing for them that I'm I'm trying to give them that I wasn't given was just a dependence on the Holy Spirit and uh, uh, an awareness of His presence and the ability to consult Him in all things and see, like, hey, um, is the Holy Spirit here with me watching this video of like Lady Gaga right now or not? And, you know, being able to give like, obviously, they're not strong enough to say no to everything yet or to and that's not wired in there heavily enough yet. But uh, that's the, the end goal with that. That's how I'm attacking it. Right. So thinking of what what is helpful there, are, there's not a lot of argument that the basic needs of you know, food and clothing and shelter, you get that. But I think, you know, what John, you were saying earlier, it's like, well, we think of provider and so then it gets taken to the extreme of like all right so as a man as a father like make make a lot of money so that your family can have all the material comforts instead of asking like well yeah what they really need is to you to work hard but then to actually be home and present so you can also provide as a spiritual leader of your family you know provide um that presence of just being there of, of being, you know, emotionally present to, to them and, and grounded there. And so, it, it, yeah, there is this, this tension of like, cause it's really easy to say like, well, I got more dollars. Like that's a tangible thing. I'm providing more that way, but it's realizing, well, yeah. When is it a material need? Like, yeah, you need to get after it because your son needs braces and like you need to work hard. And as they talk about in the workplace about how, um, you know, single men without kids, 
like there's just not this they generally earn less just because there's not the same hmm. drive and sink or swim as when you have to provide for children and or a spouse hmm. Hmm. yeah so uh uh kind of talking about the iPhone thing, Bob, how many children do you have at this point and how old are they? Four. So with four kids, they're eight, four, two, and one. So what's, what's the, uh, Warzeski's, uh, philosophy on, uh, phones and, and screens. Yeah, so no, and so, no so no phones for them with, with the screens. Like we have, like our oldest uses the, a tablet under supervision generally for like audiobooks, And there's a, an audio drama called adventures and odyssey from focus on the family. Um, it's been around for 30 years. I listened to it as a radio show as a kid. So like, it's helpful to use that sort of as this listening or like, Hey, like, you know, my, my, my oldest daughter is very audio based. So like she has time free and it's like, no, you can have some time to have this, but it's like, all right, at the end of the day, the iPad, you can listen to this, but then it comes back to us. Like yeah. it doesn't stay with you. And it, there is a, the tension. There's not really been too much of a discussion of a phone, but, um, yeah, we're definitely, it's like, nope, you're not getting an iPhone and 24 seven access at the age yeah. of eight or nine. That's just not helpful to human, human flourishing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I struggle enough with it as a 30 something of, yeah. of, of the phone. So I'm not going to put that on you. I want to protect your childhood. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to do though. Cause I mean, yeah. like it's something that they're in, they're, they're not going to get away from it. You know what I mean? So it's like, keep it away from them or try to find that balance and help them learn that balance. You know, it's like, how do you do that? And like, I mean, your, your situation would be hard as well, but I don't, I don't know how to do it in mine. I'm doing my best. So I just don't give them any since they have an unlimited access at their moms. But if I had control over that as well, I'd imagine it'd be difficult to throttle that too. And not just uh, like, just just uh, get on YouTube. You're screaming and crying and being really annoying. Just go ahead and just do what you want, you know? Like right, it's could, more just... sort of like, hey, this is a tool. Like, all right, there's some art games right. on here. Or, you know, you can watch this show. But it, it isn't just like, hey, what do you want to see on YouTube? It's like, no, there's specific things that you can use this for. And generally, it's sort of like my, my oldest daughter really likes drawing and doing different crafts so she'll put something to listen to like the box guard children or something and and do some crafts in her room especially for mm. her because of the difference in ages it's like there's a four-year gap between her and the next sibling so it's not all easy for them to play all together as a pack so sometimes she needs that time and it's like all right let's use this technology it's almost like hey as a kid i listened to the radio or i was in the baseball yeah. game let's find something good to listen to mm. but not just sort of hey you're just staring at this for 24 yeah. 7 yeah, I, so the, here here comes the old school old dude, right? <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> so, but I think that we're uh, so so. When I look back on on my father, he was the great one of the great generation men, right? So last August first, twenty twenty two, my father, who has not been here for a long time, but he would have turned one hundred years old. So he was a World War II guy, grew up in a big family, poor, you know, happy, poor, not much. Uh, and then his generation, you know, 
this is like this go to work, right? They came back from the war and went to work. And all of a sudden for the first time, I mean, really be, besides after say world war one, there was a boom time, but after world war two, there really became a boom time where we really got shot into, uh, you know, the modern world, the postmodern world. And mo most of those men just came back. You work hard, you provide, you, you make money and you get stuff and you give it, to, you know, so there was not a lot of thinking about that, right? Because uh, we didn't see what the effects would be from all this stuff that, you know, the stuff that like Simon Sinek calls um, uh, destructive abundance. That now we're in this mm -hmm. world of so much stuff. And a lot of it's like all this digital stuff, you might say. So from the phones to the computers to the, the movies and just just one thing after the other there's so much stuff that now there's you know we're starting to see the studies come back that's like this isn't good for us i mean the digital world the the uh, is, is just not uh, the virtual world in particular is not good for us it's not allowing us to develop our bodies and our brains in a holistic way and the science is starting to come back on that so this is so i think you know, I'm kind of sitting here thinking, well, we, we've kind of outpaced our ability to adjust well to our what we're providing and creating. Right. And we're, we're, we're kind of running past that. Now, I think as Catholic men, you know, we have this worldview that, well, first of all, we're not going to create a, uh, uh, a heaven on earth. Right. We're, we're here to build the kingdom of God, but we realize that the end of times is going to come. And, uh, you know, Jesus Christ is going to come back and I, I understand that he's not real happy right now. So you better beware. So, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Jesus is coming. I when a priest I used to work with. He says, Jesus is coming and he's mad. Right. <laughs> so that's, that'd be a really good thing. So, but, uh, but anyway, I think we're kind of, we're probably hitting this point now, this tipping point, you might say of way too much technology and route stripping the ability to handle it. And, uh, so there's a whole group of people, you might say the atheists and the transhumanist guys that are out there saying, Oh no, we're going to transform ourselves into machines and infinite, uh, long time consciousness and all that. But that's not the way. That's not the real way we know. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, but anyway, I'd, I'd say the more that we can cut back on the technology for our children, I think the better, right. However we handle that, but that's going to be the struggle, which I think will lead to who's, who's up next is it Bob or is it Pete? I think it's Peter. I think it's me. So, but... so yeah, right. So you might take this next one here. Cause I think, you know, part of this might even relate to what we just talked about. So Pete run with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the defender, so at the heart of every man is a man of justice. Justice at the essence is the defense of the natural God of the Nate. Is that supposed to say natural? Yes. The natural God created order to, of the universe that all creatures by their very existence pay homage to all men are called to fight to the death against the forces of evil that attack this order. All men are called to be cosmic Patriots. <clears throat> what are the forces that are attacking our families and church? What should we be doing to defend against them? It's kind of funny. My dad said, uh, my dad always told me that he, you would, uh, 
you would, I think he said it like you would die for anything until you have something that's worth dying for something like that. But basically saying that everybody needs a purpose and every man in particular needs something that's worth dying for to base their life on, or they're just this reckless, just destructive force in nature. Yeah, I think that quote, if if at least one I've heard very similar to that, which I think you're reaching for is, if you don't have something to die for, you don't have anything to live for. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right, there has to be something, as I was just talking, a couple guys, we get together for coffee on Thursday mornings, just to kind of, a lot of us work from home and, and talking with dads and fatherhood and all that all that has and we're, we're talking about yeah with the world and these things that are attacking about as catholic men we have to be for something we can't just say no i'm not going to use an iphone i'm not going to do this let's be like no we want to interact in the physical world yes i'm going to play a board game with you i'm tired and i'd rather it'd be easier just put youtube on but you know what i'm for i'm for interaction parent to child and you're important to me so we're going to do this and i'm not going to let the easy straight this this just easy way out of doing that i'm not going to just let you get absorbed in the screen or just you know go down here it's sort of saying mm-hmm. we're for this and i need and it's my family is worth fighting for my mm-hmm. church is worth fighting for these principles the principles even just sort of the principle kind of john we we're hitting on of the analog over the over the digital knowing that we live in a world that is is in some ways digital that's that's going to be there but the preference of when possible we're doing things in person. We're valuing that in-person experience. We're sacramental people as Catholics. The physical world is important. Mm. Yeah, well said. Well said. Yeah. So it's uh, so it's like uh, you know it's it's like we've the uh, the uh, masculine genius or the masculine spirituality or whatever from our fallen nature we've. We've done. We've used all these things. We've pressed forward. We've created this postmodern world that's been created by the the uh, intelligence of man, and now we find ourselves in a position of having to defend against what we've created. Yeah, and discerning what that is, and all of a sudden realizing, wow, this is like, uh, you know, it's like. Uh, the matrix and the terminator right or our, our inventions are coming around to like confront us now right all these time saving devices have sucked all our time yeah and i like that so that that quote that uh, the quote i like that the wilderness outreach quote is uh get out of the fog go analog so it's uh uh, get back, get back to the analog type of way of behavior as much as we can, right? And like, you know, like, and it's it's interesting because Pete, you you definitely have a a different struggle than Bob has, and uh, like our brother Raymond's got a similar struggle like that. But it's just like, wow! But we got to do that struggle, you know. We got to defend and and uh, and like, and I like that idea of like, let's play the board game, right? So what yeah. a great thing! So like, what Bob's talking about, like every chance you get with your children, Peter, you could be like, let's play Monopoly. Let's learn how to play Monopoly, you know, or yeah, or chess, even, you know. Uh, so yeah, right, and it's just because the default it's easy to handle. I see like. You know, I'll, I'll take the kids somewhere and waiting with something, and I'll 
um, I forget was I was I took Gracie to the ear doctor and um, I just like played a game with her. Where's this color in the room she's for? Where's that one? And like when you're in the waiting room, you just see somebody hand their kid a phone or a tablet, and it's just for ten minutes because they don't they just want a break. And, yeah. and I get it, like they're tired, but it's like, what are we teaching? You know, it's like we have to have that fight in the moment. Say like, no, you're worth it, and like, there's more. I can teach you how to entertain yourself and it doesn't just have to be a device. Like I, you need, I can help you learn how to be bored and how to be creative. How, how can you become creative? How are you going to ex- want to explore if, you know, the, it's just going to all fit into a video game. Mm. You know, I just sit mm. in my basement and, you know, that's all my exploring, creating and defending. Cause you could probably, if we had more time or maybe in a future one, you kind of have this pseudo version of this in the video game world. And that's where men a lot of times get stuck because they're not doing it in the analog and they're still wanting these things, but they're doing it there, but it really isn't making the same difference or the same level of satisfaction as if they were doing it in the physical world. I don't know what you guys think about that. I think it's, I think it's a dangerous uh, competitor. I mean, it's, it's enough to keep them there. You know, it's like just enough stimulation and gives you everything you need that you don't need to go out and uh, have that that battle adventure and beauty like Eldridge talks Mm. about because you get it all right there moving your thumbs and you also can eat a donut the whole time. Well, yeah. And I'm as I'm (laughs) sitting here thinking about this, this has been this subject has come up in our men's group, our our Thursday morning men's prayer group. Uh, So and I and I just was thinking uh we're probably going to have part two of this because uh, we're, we're really coming in. Uh, we're going to get through the qualities, but we have the, the whole idea of how do we form ourselves into being these, the optimum men in this way. And we'll, we'll go after that next week. But uh, so I'm thinking about uh, uh, Dr. Leonard Sachs. I think we need to mm. get into his book. Um, Boys Adrift. Boys Adrift. Yeah. And I think that would really be, that'd be a great book to study with, to, to study together and talk about on our program, because that's, you know, the five reasons that boys are being fundamentally destroyed today. Yeah. And one of them is really this concept of virtual reality. Now he calls it video games. He brings it right down then, but I think it's actually virtual reality because it's something that started a long time ago. So in a, in a way, I'm a victim of virtual reality because it started with the movies. So we go, if you think about it, when the, when the camera came online, especially the ability to make moving pictures, which was really the early 20th century, that's when virtual reality really started. And, you know, as a kid, I grew up watching Bugs Bunny and, you know, all these, uh, you know, the Disney Channel and all that stuff really took off post-World War II. And that's virtual reality. So it's like sit back and experience something, right? Well, that's, but you're not really engaged, right? I mean, just like uh, I, I've been re-watching some of the Indiana Jones movies. Good example. I love those movies, right? But it's all virtual, it's like, I feel like I'm Indiana Jones, you know, I'm jumping over the cliffs and all that stuff, but I'm not, you know, but I'm, I'm kind of getting that adrenaline dopamine, uh, endorphin type high out of just looking at it. And I think these modern video games that, that have been developed now are just even worse. Right. So, so we're living, we're kind of living this adventure 
all these different things of man, like the, the defender, right? We're going to get into the battle and fight is now a virtual thing that's not even taking place, right? And it's short-circuiting our energies and everything away from being virtuous and doing good work in the real world. That's the old guy talking again. Is that all right, guys? Yeah, no, I agree with you, John. I think that it's even worse than the than back then. It's getting worse because, I mean, like you said, the virtual world, like we have like the video games where you move your thumbs and everything, but the ones where you put a whole thing on your face and you disappear out of this world, you know what I mean? And you're in an entirely virtual simulated world and mm. you're doing all of those things anyway. It's, it's right, just yeah, it's the metaverse that Zuckerberg's talked about and yeah. that that push, especially since, you know, we're almost coming up on three years of sort of when a lot of the things shut down with COVID and it was like, we're going virtual. We're doing Zoom. We're not we're not going to church. We're not going to school. We're not going yep. to work. We're we're doing this. Um, and obviously there were some some benefits for telecommuting or there's some things that, oh, it opened the doors for people to do things or like we're obviously on a podcast. We're all not together. Um, so there were some benefits, but but there is a lot of costs that we really haven't figured out yep. or asked ourselves or realized like, well, wait a minute, like as much as you know, this virtual reality has pushed us more to consuming. Like we need to, we need to, we need to do, we need to experience. So I was talking to a coworker. I'm like, he's like, what are you up to this week? And I'm like, well, I'll probably take the kids. If it's nice, we'll take them to the park. Or we're going to go to a museum or something. And I'm like, what are you up to? And he's like, well, Saturday night is, is, you know, UFC and Sunday night's the Super Bowl. So it's like, it's just consumption. It's like, are those things necessarily the worst? No, but it's sort of like, we're so wired into just like, I want to be entertained. Somebody, I want to live out the fight through somebody else. I'm not the one playing football. I'll watch the other people mm -hmm. tackle or fight right. themselves. Right. And, well, and fantasy football, right? Right. There, there's another avenue. That's so a whole, yeah, whole yeah. other world of, it's not even just the game and the team. It's just my own points and yeah. assembling and being, yeah. Wanting certain outcomes that really just help me. Not even the collective, like, Hey, it's my town. Like I'm rooting for this town or my state. And, So the next quality, and uh, there's three qualities left in our journey here. Is it? Is it? Is it my turn, brothers? I think it. I think it's mine. And it I, I'm wondering, John, that we've talked a lot about leadership. I'll read through this. Um, we've kind of hit a lot of this in the past, so this might be one that goes a little shorter if we need to get through the other two. But some names up here that have been mentioned before on the podcast: Joshua Chamberlain, Ernest Shackleton. Colonel Harold Moore, Jocko Willink, Jordan Peterson. You know, what is it that these men have that all good men admire? And it's leadership. So as we've talked about these qualities, leaders are the ones that integrate and build upon the masculine talents of explorer, creator, and defender, using them to lead organizations and people in the pursuit of authentic human flourishing. And so, but we, there is this contrast and there's a, there's a world, there's, how does a worldview affect their belief in leadership? What is actually true leadership? And then what's the leadership depending on what your worldview is? It's, it's kind of interesting to ponder. Yeah, that's, and uh, that, that, uh, there's a lot there, right? So the value, so this idea of authentic human flourishing, even that comment is, uh, what does that look like again? And uh, so authentic human flourishing, I would suggest, is not where we, we become these slugs that are sitting around being fed with tubes and virtual reality all the time, which appears where our 
<laughs> where human race might be heading right now, right into that kind of uh, perpetual state of uh, of uh, of satiation, let's say, right? Uh, you know, it's funny that, that there's uh, some ladies I know that work in uh, in hospitals, and uh, I've heard some of them talk about some people come in there; they just want drugs. They just want drugs. And well, do they need drugs because of pain? Well, no, but they, they just want drugs, right? They just want this. Uh, there was a woman several years ago that made a statement to me. She said, you know, if I could just be somewhere that I could just be injected with drugs that make me feel good all the time, that would be good. <laughs> and and as, as odd and strange as that seems, that's sort of where it seems like a big portion of our culture is heading. Uh, and that certainly is not what I would call authentic human flourishing, right? And it's, uh, and we touched a little bit about, or I touched on this with the provider. It's like, well, you can give too much, you know, too much comfort. Comfort in and of itself is not a, a bad thing, but only comfort and nothing else that doesn't help you grow, that doesn't help you flourish. I mean, we see that in nature. It's like these, it's in the struggle where, you know, us living in, in the Northern part of the United States, we have the four seasons. We appreciate the spring and summer because we have to go through the gray winter of snow and cold and the struggle. So when you have a day like today, which is in the fifties or sixties in February, you're like, this is awesome. Like, because you, you've, it's, it's unexpected and you're struggling through the winter. I know Bishop Barron talks about, he's like growing up in Chicago. Like you appreciate the season. You appreciate spring and summer because you had to live through winter. Hmm. Yeah. So virtually we're trying to go to a perpetual summer. Just give me the drugs. Would it be 85 and sunny? you know, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that true leadership, you know, years ago, uh, I was introduced to a book called actually true leadership and it came out of, you might be familiar with that book, Bob came out of the, uh, university of St. Thomas and, uh, the Catholic leadership Institute in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, because you spent some time up there, I think. Yes, yeah, Paul's I did spend outreach. some time up there. You know, I'm familiar with the university. I, I haven't, I'm not familiar with this particular book. Yeah. But the good book, uh, Father Spencer Howe gave it to me, and uh, it's kind of neat. I went up there a couple times. I gave a couple presentations to the Catholic Leadership Institute, and he sent me a book once and said, read this book, and and when you're up here in two weeks, uh, be prepared to make a presentation on it. <laughs> so it's like, okay, I had to buckle down and study the book. But at the core of it, this whole idea of what leadership truly is, it's having this, the real, the, the real, worldview, the true worldview, you know, what is, how's the universe put together and what are we supposed to be doing in it? And, uh, and I think for instance, we, we took at some of these, uh, these names up here and we talked a little bit about, uh, Jordan Peterson earlier, you know, the man's on a search for the truth, right? He's on a search for the truth. He knows it's out there. He's getting closer to it. And he's like, no, I'm going to keep rolling here, right? Moving towards the truth. And what is the truth? And, and, uh, and I think where he's rolling to is that the, the true leadership ends up being based upon the, the Catholic worldview. It's the understanding that how God created the universe and that Jesus Christ 
is the son of God and he came to reclaim humanity from the fall and sin. Right. And that's, that's like, so in that, that, that's that worldview that we, we as Catholic men love and share and it's a foundation for us. Right. So everything else come that comes out of that. So true, true, um, uh, leadership starts there. And then, so authentic human flourishing starts there as well. So, uh, and it allows us to sit here and look and see it, you know, what, what's all the technology around us and is it right? Is it time to start disengaging? Right. So it's, uh, yeah, there's, there's an author, Cal Newport, digital minimalism. I'm not sure if you've have heard of them. That might be an interesting one to, to look at. He's actually a professor, I think of some kind of computer science at Georgetown, but uh, he had a famous Ted talk where he's not on social media and talking about, we have these tools and they allow us to do more, but how do we craft a life that only uses that to help our, how do we use digital tools to only help our human flourishing and mm. asking why do we need these and what will we use them for and being intentional so that we're not, you know, we're not stuck. We're just, they're, they're designed to suck us in. But there are some benefits to them, like this podcast or, you know, Wilderness Outreach has a website. Like, and we do have to use some of these things, but how do we use them well? Hmm. So a couple uh, of those names up there before we pass on. Wow, we're running out of time. So I guess we'll, uh, uh, but I was thinking about, uh, is there a particular name up there? We've talked a little bit about Jordan Peterson, but any other name up there that you would like to speak about before we move on to the next uh, category? So, Bob, you're probably familiar with one since you're from Pennsylvania. Well, I just read, I just finished a book from, from Jocko. So that was, that's kind of the name that that's come to mind. Um, for oh, me. What and, book was that? Uh, I think it's, let me just look over here. I think it's leadership strategy and tactics. Um, mm. and nice. just, you know, and it, it's got the concepts, the other ones are kind of the brass tacks, but yeah, this, that concept of extreme ownership where mm. you're the leader. Why are you the leader to serve others that you're there for, you know, and you need to take it on and, you need to work with, with people and up you know, and you're managing folks above you and, and, and below you. And you're there to help the team thrive. It's not about mm. your ego. And he talks a lot about ego and you could kind of see a lot of these, those Catholic themes of like mm. pride versus humility. It's like, Oh yeah, you don't want to do this. It's because your ego's there. You know, yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't always need to be cleaning out the latrine, but it's okay. If you do that sometime, show mm. the men that you're willing to, to go down. You're, you're there to serve like, there is a hierarchy that needs to be respected, but as a leader, you sometimes need to go down with the troops. You also need to step back and see the whole picture. Um, and there's just a lot of different ways of, but, but trying to be successful. And when you think you have it all together and you, and you get cocky and that's when you fall. Probably mm. I mean, he's got the stories of the seals and their training. They, they think that, Oh, I've nailed it. And then they're like, somebody's like, you're doing great. And they're like, Oh yeah, we're the, we're, we're it. And then it's like, he's like, he's like, that's when I knew disaster was coming because mm. the next training session, they bombed because somebody told them you're the, you've done this better than anybody ever has before. And then it gets into your head. You're like, we're so great versus mm. that humility of saying, there's always more to learn. There's mm. always more to study. Like I, I can get better. Um, not a woe mm. is me humility, but a true humility. It's like, I don't have all the answers and I'm going to keep trying and, and keep growing. I need to keep mm. exploring. I need to keep learning. Um, and I'm on this journey as 
it's, it's interesting the way that that type of humility that you've just described is actually at the foundation of magnanimity, right? Which is greatness, right? So yeah, the, 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 the door, of soul. The, yeah. the stairway, the beginning of the stairway to greatness lies in in embracing humility that I I don't know and I need to figure it out and I need to move on and work hard, right? That that whole kind of yeah, that healthy humility. So the next um, the the next. Uh, quality that we'll talk about and uh, is is really a good one, uh, and it's quality. Of the father is it my turn, brothers? I just yeah, I think so. I just went. I just did leader. So it's either you or Peter. I lost count. Yeah, go ahead, John. Okay, it's it's the idea of being a father. So that's again in our hearts as men. There's this thing called fatherhood, and a father brings his talents of being a creator and a provider, a defender and a leader to bear on the other human person. This is a very other centered type of quality that men have when they're doing it right. Having learned well, the wisdom of how one navigates the world, a father guides and mentors the other towards the development of their talents so that they can move towards the greatness that they were destined for. And so the question becomes, how and where has God called you, my brothers out there who are listening? And like Michael Arnold, I know he's been listening to us out there. He gave us a, a good uh, thumbs up there. But how and where has God called you to sharpen your masculine skills so that you can be the mentor and the father that God needs you to be. So this is, uh, yeah. This is a great question to ponder as we get ready for Lent for men. I think just I'm being called out and just all my habits, you know, just my foundational habits of like camping every month alone and keeping the uh, the main thing, the main thing, right? Getting to heaven and bringing all those around me with me, like just being distracted by the world a mm. lot recently. And I think that embracing my masculinity with the Catholic Church is the only way to stay on target with that, you know? Mm. Because when we embrace our masculinity in the eyes of the world, it's nothing but all bad. Yeah. Well, I think that, yeah, the, the concept of father really speaks of that in a sense, like St. Joseph, you know, and like our brother Dan Boyden, who gave the, uh, you know, great presentation here a couple months ago now, but he's really, really big on St. Joseph. And that's kind of St. Joseph is the father, right? The, that father figure of almost disappearing. Everything is for the other, right? Everything was for the Holy family for, was for the, the Virgin Mary and the son, Jesus. And to the point where his entire being was kind of lost in the gospel, he disappears, right? That's a really profound thing. He's, he's like the undergirding foundation and strength that allows the, the Holy family to move forward. And uh, so that that thing of father, it's it, it 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 goes from, you know, being able to mentor, to teach, to coach, 
but to just give it all out there to the exterior, you know, as we, we are called as men to be that exterior force and, and, uh, and guide that guide. Right. To see that, that wisdom or what, what, whatever life experience, what you've learned from that, what the Lord has taught you, that is a lot of times not just meant for you, but in some way that's to then help pass on to somebody else and to say, Hey, when I was struggling with like, Oh, I went through this, like here, here's some perspective here. I can help you with this. Or now, now I see it differently. And you see a brother that's about to fall or a son's about to make the same mistake. And you're sort of like, Hey, I'll give you some perspective here. Like I went through this or knowing, so seeing somebody go through that to, to help them through that. It's like, I went through that and it's, yeah. So it's not just like, I'm going to amass all this stuff or I'm just going to explore and just learn all these things just for me. But it's like, I have to, you know, you said it's for, for the other, like that there's this desire to give and it's like this, these experiences were for something. It's not just for me to chuck up and fill out my bucket list or my to-do list. So, wow, I did all these cool adventures and these great things. It's like, but did I live a life for others? Like, yeah, did, did that help anybody? Mm. Like, was there something that did it go just beyond me or was it just kind of, yeah, I was, you know, I wanted to bag the 14,000 foot mountain here, the 12,000 foot there, you know, physically or figuratively. And I got all these check marks, but it's empty because it was just all about my own ego. Hmm. And coming up next, the final quality of manhood and whose is it? I think it's yours, Peter. Brother, created from primordial dirt and water, quickened by the... Why do I get the ones with all these words, man? <laughs> Aboriginal. <laughs> Aboriginal Y chromosome, breath of life, awakened in the original solitude and mentored in the original workshop. All men are brothers by their shared to te telos. True brotherhood is developed and nurtured in men by the mutual challenge found in work, problem solving, and competition. The discipline of brotherhood leads to effective fraternal correction where a man exposes himself for correction and offers it in love to his brother. Do you have a brother or a band of brothers you can do this with? It's like one of the most important things you can have, I think. I mean... If we're out here by ourselves, we're going to get eaten alive, I I know. But if we stick together and, like, have good influences and mentors we can lean on and are willing to lean on and make ourselves vulnerable with, uh, it makes everything so much easier. Just like that, John, you can probably tell me which one I'm talking about, but when two or more gathered and pray it's like way more powerful. What's that? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The Holy Spirit's present, right? Yeah. 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 That, that, you know, there's, there's a lot to that. So as brothers, you know, we kind of recognize we all came from the same place. And uh, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? That men form, we as men and brothers really form brotherhood this thing this quality called brotherhood through mutual challenge 
you know, and it could be through working together, which kind of goes back to why does wilderness outreach work? Why do we go out and build trails, right? Why do we cut big trees and move big rocks and stuff like that? Well, it's, it's because of that, because when we're working together, trying to solve a problem, especially when it's physical. And I noticed our brother, Ryan George is on with us tonight, which really great to see him pop up there too. But uh, Ryan and I got to move some big rocks together. And it's kind of like, once you do that, or you, you do some stuff physically challenging each other and having fun doing it, that starts to build a, there's a glue that sets in right between us uh, that really holds us together. And so that, that whole problem of, you know, the, the, the whole method of mutual challenge in work and then problem solving together, what's the best way to do something and then competing against each other, right? Sometimes, you know, competition gets overblown or, or it gets, or there's a, there's two tendencies. Everything needs to be completely competitive, do whatever it takes to win at all cost. to no, we shouldn't be competing at all, but no competition is healthy. You know, the right holistic, good type of competition where you can give it all and then shake a man's hand who just beat you. Right. And feel good about it. Let's do it again. I want another shot at this. Right. So that kind of competition, which men really do experience together, right? That that kind of that gamemanship in a really good holistic way is really helps build that that the structure of brotherhood between us. Right. That there there is a there is a first, there is a winner, there is a loser. And mm. it's it's okay if you don't always win and to be able to respect that, hey, that guy beat me at that. I gave it my best. And saying like, no, it's just we're not all this kind of like blob. It's all flat. Everybody's the same, but like it's worth striving for something. And yeah, to use that competition in a healthy way or having that group where, you know, people can bounce ideas off each other. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this or, hey, wow, I saw that guy really stepped up his game fasting. Like I should pray and discern about if I, I should do it. Wow. Like, you know, I want to grow closer to Christ. Like, oh, maybe that's a practical way. Like, if he can do it, like, oh, yeah, I should be able to do it, too. You might think, oh, yeah, that guy, wait, he's weaker. I think he's weaker than me, and he's fasting. Like, I need to step it up. You know, like, it's a, that could, you could use that in a good way, like, using those natural tendencies, like, to this competent, like, just the desire to draw closer to Christ. And then also, yeah, just saying, like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to give it our all. And, yeah, and it's not just, like, things matter. Like, there are, there's, there's a hierarchy there's there's winning and losing there's a lot that you can learn from that and you and there's lessons are being stolen if you're if you never lose or if you mm -hmm. never win if it's just all well we all participated uh, i always kind of rail though as a millennial that it's like oh you guys all got participation trophies i'm like yeah but who's the generation that gave it to us like they're the ones criticizing us for always having participation trophies but any five-year-old's gonna ask for that it's like who were the men at that point that started this participation trophy thing that's just kind of a side millennial rant john you know as the young guy you can just we can go beyond that but i just i had an open <laughs> mic so, I, I so go for it brother <laughs> but i mean like and i don't want that but it's like that's what we have you know yeah. we have that we've created that society because as men we said oh, we're just always going to give that yeah <laughs> yeah it was uh yeah certainly the whole participation trophy thing came from our fallen nature no doubt right i mean it's like wherever that came from was not a good place right so 
Well, brothers, uh, yeah, it's been a good evening. Wow. We've, we've, you know, we went through, uh, you know, what, seven or eight qualities there and it, uh, ran into a, all of a sudden an hour, 15 minutes. So next week we're going to continue on this journey and talk about the formation of men. So how do we, you know, what are the different ways that we should try to form ourselves into being, you know, the, the good son, you know, the explorer, the creator, the uh, leader, the father, the provider, and the brother, the defender and brother. How do we, how do, how do we form ourselves to be that optimum Christian man that does that? And so next week that we're going to be talking about that. And uh, I, once again, we have several things coming up. So if you'll pop on over to the Wilderness Outreach website and look under Treks, you'll see a number of different things that are coming up that you can get involved with. And uh, so I'm thinking, uh, who would like to read a prayer for us in closing out tonight? I can look one up. We're just going to roll with the St. Michael. So, in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.